Hi, everyone. I'm Mark Robison. I'm a candidate for the North Carolina State Senate representing Charlotte's District 39. I'm also your host for The Elephant in the Room. And this is where we tackle issues that a lot of folks are thinking about, but not many people are talking about. And today we're going to talk about traditional male leadership. And this is an era when even that phrase gets people upset. So specifically, we're going to talk about an organization that got started about 12 years ago right here in Charlotte, North Carolina, called F3. Uh, F3 stands for Fitness, Fellowship, and Faith. And I have been blessed to attend these literally crack of dawn workouts for the last seven, little over seven years and have made friends for life. And I've been able to keep in shape both mentally physically and spiritually. And, and the man who got it all started is my guest today. His name is David Redding, or as he is known in the F3 lexicon, Dread, because everybody gets a nickname. And for full disclosure, uh, I was super, super early to the very first workout I ever attended and immediately got called an eager beaver. So that's full disclosure. I did uh, have the fortune of them shortening it to just plain old Beaver. So, yes, I am Beaver. Uh, <laughs> and uh, like I mentioned, my guest is David Redding. He is the founder of F3. He is a partner here in Charlotte with the law firm of TLG Law and a former Army Ranger. Dread, thank you so much for being here today. Honored, brother. Thank you for having me. Okay, first of all, for my female listeners, F3 has a sister organization. It is called FIA, that's F-I-A, uh, which stands for Females in Action. And that is a very similar organization, uh, in organization to, uh, to F3 and all the activities, times, all of that. So that is a great way to start by asking you, Dredd, what in the world is F3? So F3 is, uh, as you said, it's a, uh, male, uh, it's a men's workout group. It started 12 years ago on the first day of January of 2011. Uh, it wasn't called F3 th then. It was, the idea was just to get some men working out together. Uh, it evolved fairly quickly over time that we saw that the three things it was mainly dealing with were the, the men's search for faith, uh, their desire to be around other men, which is fellowship, and the fitness, uh, consistent fitness, a way to kind of stay in shape. So those were the, where the three F's come from, uh, fitness, fellowship, and faith. Uh, the way I just I laid them out for you is backwards, uh, but it's probably the way most people think of life. You know, faith is most important, and right. then fellowship is second, and uh, fitness is, is third. But what we found is uh, it doesn't work that way uh, as a practical matter. In other words, mm -hmm. it's very difficult to be in fellowship with other men if you're not fit. Uh, and if you're not in fellowship and you're not fit, it's very difficult to explore your faith. So uh, that's why the three Fs for us are, are fitness, fellowship, and faith. So the draw was fitness, and you end up with the fellowship and the faith, and that that seems like a, that's, that's definitely how it worked for me. Um, okay, since that first organized workout, some 15 guys almost 12 years ago uh, in Charlotte's Freedom Park, Okay, I am. I get this weekly, or I guess I get a monthly F3 Nation newsletter. And today, I guess this morning it came out, and it 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 blows my mind that from 15 guys now, 
There are almost 70,000 men that are in F3, and I'm looking almost 50 states, uh, Kenya, Australia, Morocco, uh, looks like a Latin America, the UK. Your latest regions are in Germany, and it looks like Ottawa, Canada. Uh, <laughs> this is amazing. It's gotten this big. It's expanded globally. It's obviously continuing to expand. How in the world did this happen? Well, it was my careful uh, plan that I laid out on day one. <laughs> no, uh, the only thing that you said just now that isn't quite accurate is it did one fifteen. It's actually started out with thirty guys. Okay, which is, but that's an amazing. It wouldn't matter. <laughs> yeah, that's, I wouldn't. I wouldn't raise it. That's what uh, you know. In, in my profession, we call it a little f fact. Then you should really be double the size now. <laughs> yeah, right. But it, it does matter in a way, and I'll tell you why. Because uh, we started F3 uh, as a result of a, a, a predecessor group. In other words, there was a group of men working out in Charlotte, and they'd been working out on Saturdays for four or five years. Uh, and outdoors, no professional trainers, all that stuff. And uh, I and another guy, uh, whose F3 name is OBT, were members of that group. And that group got too big. It got to be around... 30. Oh yeah. And, and the, and the common feeling was that somewhere over 18, it just, you lost the sense of camaraderie. There's right. too many guys. So the, the answer to the, to this dilemma, you know, this kind of problem of success was for OBT and I to, to start a new workout at the same time as the original one in a different location. Okay. Uh, so basically start over. So anybody who, who wanted to participate but was new, they wouldn't go to the old workout, which is at Freedom Park in Charlotte. They would go to the new workout, which is at AG Middle School. So to initiate this, OBT and I sent out, uh, I think, an email to about 85 guys that we knew, uh, that we thought might be interested in participating on this first day, one I thought we might get five guys. I mean, five out of 85. Yeah. I mean, seven o'clock in the morning on the first, mm-hmm. you know, on, on, you know, New Year's Day. Uh, seven o'clock is really late, by the way. Yeah. I, I, yeah. But, you know, it's a Saturday. I, I didn't really expect yeah. more than five guys. I hope to get five and then to build from there uh, from five. And maybe by the end of the year, you know, by the end of 2011, maybe get up to about 15 guys. That was that was the objective initially. Uh and we were confident that we could do that because the, the workout that we had come from, the predecessor, had gone from about 15 to 30 in the course of about a year and a half. You know, So we thought, yeah, you know, we're doing this thing. It seems to answer some call to men uh, that they need or want. And, you know, we'll, we'll see if we can get five guys out there. Uh, again, it wasn't it called after order or called anything. We just said, come on, work out. We're going to do this. Who's up for it? Yeah. You know, we might have put some motivational stuff up. Unfortunately, lost that email because I recall that it was kind of funny. But uh, anyhow, the first day we got 30 guys, 30, 32 guys. I mean, it was amazing. When we showed up and when I got there and saw all these guys, I mean, because it it was several guys that we had sent the email to, but several guys we hadn't. I, you know, I was happy that first day, but I thought, you know, that's New Year's resolution stuff. Yeah, it's. It's going to decline next week. Will you know? Will be much less, but it's a great start. But the very next Saturday, we had thirty-two guys, and uh, or thirty-four guys, or more. 
And we never have le- had less than that. I mean, by by June, it was clear that the whole build up the 30 plan was out the door. You know, we had 60 guys. I mean, yeah. so we immediately had to split the workout group up into smaller groups. And, you know, we needed leaders, leaders to do that. Right. So originally, I, I pretty much led, originally, I pretty much led, drawing on my military experience, led the workouts. Then I started to teach other guys how to do it. And uh, that's how F3 became a leadership group. That is, uh, I mean, it's, it's it, like you said, it's a great problem to have. And it's kind of shocking to, to think that this number is almost 70,000 now. Um, but Lee- Yeah, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't think that. I mean, you know, we split up in Charlotte and then. No. A guy came, a guy, a guy in, in, I think, Atlanta said, hey, my brother-in-law's down in Atlanta. We go down there. So we went down to Atlanta. Then Raleigh, you know, Columbia, South Carolina. We spread out here first regionally. Uh, and then some guy left Charlotte, went to Seattle. So we did Seattle. And that's how it happened. Boom. You know, just, yeah. You know, you you, you mentioned leadership. And I, and I, that's kind of the theme of F3. I, I, I was thinking about there seems to be uh, in America, especially today, there's a big vacuum right now. A vacuum of leadership is always going to get filled. In reading the newsletter this morning, um, there has been some there's been a lot of attention just recently on the city of Memphis, where F3 was established a few years ago. Um, here's here's a great example of the male leadership that I want to ask you about. Um, F3 in Memphis put out a uh, tweet. We, I guess all the F3 regions are on Twitter, and it says this. Um, to any early morning walkers or runners out there, especially women who, like us, have been crushed by the tragic loss of Eliza Fletcher, and this was a lady that was running at 4.30 in the morning and was, was kidnapped and murdered, uh, we wanted to share our F3 schedule with you. We wanted to share... Uh, you may have seen some guys out in the early morning at parks or random parking lots before, and we want to let you know that you're safe around us. If knowing a group of men is out there, maybe it eases your mind a bit for you to use our location as a place to safely run or walk, especially with it staying dark longer now. If we yell out good morning to you, it's just to assure you we see you and we got your back. And that to me seems like almost a, a, a tactical way of leadership. But, you know, these days we're hearing an awful lot. And maybe it's been the last few years about this thing called toxic masculinity. And I, I will tell you, in the seven years that I've been attending and, and even leading some of these workouts, I have yet to run into a toxic masculinity problem. Uh, maybe I'm missing something. So let me ask you this. Why is male leadership being emphasized with F3 when so many uh, are saying male leaders are the problem? Yeah, so there's a lot packed into that question. Uh, I, My personal, what we call the ultimate life problem, you know, it's the thing that you can't not try to solve. Mm-hmm. Uh so my life's purpose is built around this idea of dormant male community leadership. I just cannot stand it. I mean, uh, I can't be in an organization. I actually can't even be in a restaurant if, I, if, the, if the manager's not running it well without wanting to help them. Uh, it, I don't know why I'm that way. I guess I've always been that way. But uh, I was just over at the bagel shop where you and I meet periodically talking to the manager there. Yeah. And uh <laughs> He, I don't know if he realized it or not, but I was giving him some leadership tips or whatever. I just can't help it. You know, I can't help it. So right. for me, the idea looking out uh, in a city I lived in at the time, Charlotte, I live here still now, and the law firms I was employed at, I, 
I couldn't help but note that the men seemed very passive. Right. Not toxic in the sense that they were overbearing. Like I was hearing all this stuff in the culture about, you know, men not letting women lead or men mansplaining, whatever. I hear that. But it didn't match up with what I saw. What I saw was not men being overbearing, but men being underbearing, not doing anything. Yeah. And maybe it's the result of feeling harassed or harangued. I don't really know. Uh, I think a long time ago, OBT and I, and I think it's in our the, the book we wrote about it, about F3, we said there's a lot of isms out there uh, that are, you could say, are the cause or contributing factors or at least correlate. To, to dormant male committee leadership, what we call mm-hmm. SACLON syndrome. But we're not really going to get into that. So, I, I mean, I don't know why it happened. Uh, I just know it's true. So this this dormant male committee leadership, what we for shorthand call, you know, we call SACLON syndrome, men mm-hmm. being uh, sad on the inside, but but happy on the outside, faking it, yeah. is, is, a, is a pandemic of sorts. It's, it is. It's everywhere. It's in all our organizations. It's in all our communities. And uh, I, when I hear people talking about toxic masculinity, they are describing something I suppose that is a problem. It just isn't a problem I am at the least bit familiar with or spend any time thinking about. Right. That to me is not, is not the problem in our uh, communities and organizations in this country. The problem is men not doing what they're supposed to do right what we're wired to do and you what we're wired to do yeah what you just mentioned too is you know i mean everybody that knows you knows you are wired for leadership i mean obviously being a uh in the army as a as an army ranger um this is wired into your dna and yeah you you um wrote a book uh i i look at it as almost like a, a leadership manual um it was uh a few years ago that is all about men stepping up and it's it's the, the one thing that hit me the most i think is that um it, being the male leader for instance of your family is not some hey look i'm in charge it's more like i am so loving to my wife and my children i am going to lay my life down for both of for all of them. That is my goal as the leader. I'm going to lay my life down for them. And can you just real quick uh, talk about your book that you wrote, the very first one that you wrote? So the first one I wrote was Free to Lead. That's the one with OBT. The second one I wrote is Source. That's the yep. manual of virtuous leadership. But all the, the themes are, are, are all the same yep. throughout. Uh, and it's based on a, on a kind of a misunderstanding, I think, of leadership. First of all, Leadership's the same today. The tenets of, of virtuous leadership are the same today as they were when the first caveman led, you know, his cave dwellers from the low ground to the high ground to escape the floods. They're it, it all the same. It's, it's right. the same. It's it's a leader seeking advantage for his group and persuading them to move towards that advantage. That's really what leadership is. Mm-hmm. It's initiate. It's initiating movement to advantage. It's not that complicated. The words we use have changed over time, and the theories that. We used to explain it, it changed over time, but the the basics are always the same. Yeah. Baked, baked into, into those basic tenets of leadership is that leadership at its heart is servanthood. And it's, it's not domination, right? That, now you went to the Citadel, you went to the Citadel, so you right. were taught this. 
I learned it uh, in the military as a, as a military officer. Mm-hmm. But the idea that uh, the, uh, the leader lords it over people and orders them around and doesn't expose himself to the same threat is is lunacy. I right. mean, that's just not the way it works. Bingo. I mean, from the the very first one of the very first things they teach you is that the the most basic thing is you know ingesting food. Leaders eat last. You get in the you know you get in the chow line, and you make sure. If I was when I was a platoon leader, twenty one year old platoon leader, yeah. I had thirty men in my platoon. Each one of those men ate before I did. You know, I ate last. If we were going to face something dangerous. I I was first in line. So for the for the danger, I was first. For the for the comfort and the nourishment, I was last. Right. That's that's basic leadership one hundred and one. So uh, I think that's that that's one of the reasons. You know, I wasn't going to point to what I thought the cause of that was, but the fact that hardly anybody in America goes in the military might be part of the problem. Right. Because that is counterintuitive. You know, I think that if you never were in the military, you would think that, oh, if I'm the boss, I get the corner office and people serve me and, you know, I, I get it. I get comfort. Right. Whereas anyone who's served in the military for five minutes knows, man, heavy is the heavy is the crown of the king. Right. I that mean, if you're the yeah. command. Yeah. Command. Command is a lonely place. And, uh, you know, I think that the average lifespan of an infantry lieutenant in World War Two in combat was 17 seconds. I mean, oh my God. Because, yeah, I mean, because you're up front, you lead from the front. Yeah. And and that is something I find that we have to keep reinforcing in teaching in F3 to make sure guys understand that, that leadership at its <clears throat> essence is servanthood. Now, you alluded to the family, within the family. Uh, whether you believe uh, the Bible is the word of God or not, it's still scriptural, still written down 2000 years ago of Jesus saying, you know, the husband is the leader of the family. Mm -hmm. And that means he must act like he must love his wife the way Christ loved us. In other words, you must be willing to be sacrificed, crucified for them. Right. That is what we're called to do, you know? So it's, you know, to look at it and say, well, the husband gets to boss his wife around. no, he gets to serve her in the to. most sacrificial way imaginable. Right. That is what leadership of the family actually means. And that's just something we continually stress in F3, that the, the F part, faith, the faith part is not Christianity in a particular denomination. It's just a belief in something outside yourself. Yes. But the tenets of all major religions all lead to the same place when it comes to how you act towards your wife, which is to serve her and place her interest above all else. So that's how I view leadership. I think that's something that if you're in F3 for any period of time, you're going to view it the same way. I think you're right. That's exactly right. Um, and, you know, and I, I can't I just keep coming back to to, to this uh, F3 Memphis um, tweet tweet this morning. I mean, it makes me think about where there is a vacuum of leadership. Our our cities, our nation is it, it, there's a vacuum right now of real leadership, I think. Um, you know, half the people listening may totally disagree with that. But what what 
you know, this is one of the reasons I'm running for office is it is a servant. I'm going to serve the people I'm looking to serve. And yeah, it's a big job. But, you know, little things like saying, OK, we've got a problem in Memphis. It's a it's a murder problem. We've also got this problem in Charlotte. Violent crime is spiking. But when there's a vacuum of leadership, it's going to get filled. And when I see these guys saying, hey, you are running out early in the morning by yourself, here is a link to the locations where F3 Memphis is and come join us or at least know we've got your back. That seems like fill in the vacuum. Uh, and it just it, it, it it's just amazing when you think about F3 Memphis, you think about F3 Charlotte, we're all over the world. I hope this thing just keeps growing and growing and growing. I want to just tell a quick story, kind of the flip side of, the, of yeah. that Memphis story, which is horrible. I'm glad the Memphis guys are doing what they're doing. That's wonderful. And I know in other regions of F3, they are are replicating that right. to some extent. But about two years ago here in Charlotte, right when uh, COVID first hit and, and <clears throat> there was a lot of, a lot of restrictions uh, and some dispute as to whether or not they were necessary, one thing that uh, F3 Metro, which is what we call Charlotte's group, try to do is to continue to work out. Of course, we work out outdoors and we're very yeah. healthy guys. So I, I suppose that we weren't all that interested in the idea of social distancing and that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. which is not really the point of the story, but it leads to what happened. Sure. So early one morning, uh, April or so, maybe May of 2020, I was running with a group of men, probably about eight or nine men, 10 men, certainly more than the prescribed, you know, small group that that the governance was interested in at that point in time when we were in a tight little kind of ball of men, we yeah. weren't six feet apart. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's, it was five 30 in the morning in the pitch black. Uh, we were running through a fairly urban part of town. Uh, you know, a, a, a nice, you know, not out in the country, but not, not quite downtown, but uh, a place where, um, you know, that it, it was like a transitionary between urban and suburban. So we're running along and, uh, of course, we wear all black. That's the kind of the uniform of F3 with our white F3, you know, logo on our chest. And we saw a woman running in the other direction. She's running towards us, towards us. Mm -hmm. So we're on one side of the road. She's on the same side of the road running towards us. Now, she didn't cross over as, it, as you think a young woman might or a, uh, young, a woman might cross over seeing 10 men running through the dark in, in black. Yeah. She stayed on the same, same side of the road. And when she got right up to, to us, she yelled at us. And she was mad because we weren't social distancing. She said, you men, you need to spread out for God's sakes. And, the, <laughs> and so she, she ran on by and we thanked her for her advice and ignored it. But <laughs> I thought about that later. Here was this woman running through a fairly urban part of a major city. Right. At 530 in the morning by herself, confronted by 10 men wearing black running in the other direction. Yeah. And not only did she feel safe enough to stay on the same side of the street, she felt safe enough to accost us. Oh, wow. And, and scold us. And I was mad at first that I'd only being accosted and scolded. <laughs> and then when I thought about it, I said there could be no better sign because she could see who we were. She could see our F3. She knew she was perfectly safe. Oh, wow. Perfectly safe doing that and had nothing to fear from even 
scolding us. I mean, we weren't even going to yell back at her. She knew that. She knew that because of our reputation. And oh, wow. I thought that is probably the best sign of F3's community involvement uh, that you could ever uh, you could ever think of. I know there's been many times where we've had we have maybe a 30 guys, 40 guys even running down or we'll come up behind somebody, a couple of women or whatever, they'll turn around and look at us. And there's first a look of fear. And yep. then when they see our, see who we are, it totally goes away. Wow. I mean, you can see, I, I mean, I've had that happen so many times. Or I know you've seen, you know, we, when we go someplace yep. that we haven't been before, like the rescue mission or something, right? you know, our reputation precedes us, that we are about the community. And not only are we safe, in the sense that we're not going to reflect whatever this toxic masculinity thing is. Right. We are going to leave the interaction, whatever interaction we have with people there, we are going to, it's going to be an ad. Something good is going to happen by virtue of us being there. And that's probably the thing I'm most proud of. And that's probably why it keeps catching on wherever we go, because men want to be part of something positive for their communities whether it's in apparently Morocco. So you got me. I didn't see that one coming you know, or, or, or Kenya or Germany or Korea. Uh, wherever we go, there are men in the community who view their role as not as dominators or people to be served, but as servants and are willing to fulfill that role and are energized by having other men who are of like mind to do it with. That's incredible. I mean, there that that story on the surface, yeah, I don't like being accosted, and I would have been like, ah, oh, a little grouchy about it. And then you think about what the the layer beneath is. She felt so comfortable seeing that group of men. It was just innate. Oh, okay, it's F three, so I'm going to tell them to social distance <laughs> instead. Yeah, it was uh, it was funny. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, yeah, and it, it, it I think that just kind of speaks volumes. Um, Dred, so let me ask you this. And I, I, I am, you know, I just think this organization is amazing. Uh, it is uh, life changing. And when you think about a bunch of guys running around in the dark, it sound, doesn't sound like it would be as life changing and incredible as it really is. But it, if a listener, somebody's listening right now, wanted to plug into F3, and let me again say, or FIA, because females in action. Uh, was started shortly after F3. So um, if somebody wanted, a male or female, wanted to plug into F3 or FIA and start working out with us, how would they go about doing that? So uh, I really can't speak for FIA, though I'm sure you could find it through F3, but F3Nation.com is our website. Right. And uh, that has a big, giant map on it when you get on there, and you can look at it and see the closest workout to you. And uh, like you said, I, I don't, there might be one state or two states we're not in right now. I'm not sure. I think we're pretty close to 50. And, of course, we're not in every city, but constantly growing. Uh, and if there's a, an existing workout, you can find it. Uh, show up. It'll, it'll, it'll tell you where it is. It'll tell you kind of what they do there, yep. whether it's a boot camp or a run or whatever. Uh, it'll tell you what time. You just show up and uh, guarantee you the guys, when you get there, they'll ask you who you are. Uh, they'll designate you FNG, which is friendly new guy. And uh, you will participate in that workout to the best of your ability. And at the end of it, you'll be welcomed into the group. That's all it is. Is We never charge anybody. Uh, We don't have to do anything except be proximate, physically show up. Now, if 
it turns out that there's not a workout near you and you like what you you're hearing and you want to try to start one, you know, we have a system for that too. And you can find that on the website. We'll help you get going. Uh, a lot of great workouts have started that way with one man who knew nothing about it. Uh, and, and was able to get it going from a standing start with our help. So those are the two ways. Hopefully someday, uh, we won't be doing the startup thing. It'd be, you just look at the map and find the one closest to you. If you're in the Southeast, you're pretty much going to be surrounded by it. Right. Uh, and then to lesser degrees, as we move out from there, that's where it started. But, uh, like you said, I, I didn't know there were 70,000. That's amazing to me. Uh, <laughs> that, yeah, I, that's unfathomable to me. I'm glad I could tell you about that. Yeah, no, I'm glad. I mean, whenever somebody says, well, do you realize there's 30, 3,400 workouts? I'm like, oh, I did not know that. <laughs> it just has been become this organic uh, organism, this org organism that's just going uh, and growing and growing and growing. So this last question, and it's my favorite because it means that you get to, to be pretty creative. Let me ask you this, Dredd. If you had a magic wand, okay, and you could transform today's men who want to lead, and again, let's, let's say lead either in business, nonprofit, sports, or my favorite, just to be the loving leader of their families. What advice would you have for these men other than, of course, uh, joining F3? <laughs> I, I would tell them that you're made for a specific purpose, uh, that you're formed and crafted out of mud by God for a specific purpose. And that that purpose uh, is, is threefold. First of all, uh, you're supposed to love and protect your family. Uh, you're supposed to be a, a great husband, a man who loves his wife and places her interests above all else. You're supposed to be a sacrificial father who cares for his children and protects them at all costs and nurtures them. Love and protect your family. That's the first, that's the first thing that you're supposed to do as a man. Mm -hmm. Second thing, you're supposed to be an asset to your community. Uh, and that means wherever you live, whoever's in pro proximity F3, we have a way of, I don't, I don't say we, we redefine words. We just, we just use words in our original definition. So, for F3, the community is those with whom you voluntarily live in close, uh, close proximity. It has nothing to do with the color of your skin or, or anything like that. Your community is who you live with. Right. Uh, so, you, so you need to be an asset, not a liability to that community, however that might be. Whether it's picking up trash on your street, coaching Little League, or whatever it is that, that your community needs, you step in and, you, and you're an asset. And the third thing is you need to join the fight to hold the middle of this great nation of ours. Yes. So we're at you know, we've never been more uh, distant, I think. Even, I mean, the Civil War was a hot war, but it was it was, a, it was based on something pretty much geographic, if you're thinking about, if you right, think about yes. it. The war we're in now is philosophical and theological. Uh -huh. It's a, it's a world, it's a war of worldview. And it's, it's not, and it's, there's a geographic element to it, but it's more, uh, you know, we're living side by side. And there are men uh, who view the middle of this country, and that's the, the, not one extreme or the other, as uh, essential to be held if the country is going to hold together. You cannot hope to love and protect your family if you're in a community that's falling apart. And you cannot hope to be in a community that holds together if you're part of a nation that disintegrates. So all these threat things are absolutely essential yeah. to do for a man. And the three gifts we're given as men, we all have it, are strength, that's physical and moral, mm -hmm. courage, courage, that's the ability to set aside fear to turn hardship into grace, and commitment, 
and commitment is unwavering loyalty to the group and unflinching determination to accomplish his mission. That's what, that's what we call the three dots. So right. if you look at a little, a little, if you look at the uh, ultrasound of a boy in the womb, you see three dots. Those three dots of strength, courage, and commitment, that's what you're born with as a man so that you can go out in the world and love and protect your family, be an asset to your community, and, and, and fight to hold the middle of the nation. And that's the advice I give to a, a 16-year-old boy. I give it to a, a 30-year-old man, and I give it to old men like me. As the same <laughs> as I approach 60. Same thing. Because for the lack of that, if men heed the call of and whatever you want to call it, whoever whoever's interested is for men to defang it, like for us to be neutered and not act as men, either to declare ourselves women or to say we're not going to do, discharge the duties of a man. Who benefits from that and who is harmed? And I'll say the people that benefit are not the people we're supposed to love and protect. Nobody, no, no, no wife or woman or, or child benefits from a man who recedes and shies away from his duty as a man. I know personally in my family, my wife does not ask for less daddy. That has never happened. <laughs> she asks for more. And, I, and, and I've never known a man to tell me, yeah, my wife wants me to stop bothering or my wife wants me to be less of a husband. In the heart of all our mothers and, and, and children, they want us to be more present and more masculine and more fathering and more yeah. loving. Yes. And, and, and maybe we just, maybe, you know, we just guys like me and you beaver, we just need to be cheerleaders for that because yeah. I don't think this is something, everything I'm saying might be counterculture cultural, but it isn't something that everybody doesn't know in their heart. So maybe we just need to be cheerleaders for those basic essentials. It's not a matter of a particular political viewpoint. Right. It's not a matter of a particular religious faith or anything. It's just a matter of essential differences between men and women and what men are charged to do. In the childbirthing process, we can do nothing but get boiling water. You know, we had, we serve yep. no role other than love and protection, right? <laughs> exactly. That is not our that is not our superpower. You know, we right. are there as the to be the sentinels and the protectors and the providers. And uh, and we are a sp- we are supposed to lead. So if F three stands for anything, I hope it stands for that simple notion. Amen. It, uh, yeah, I like you, you mentioned um, so much there. It's innate. It's not a political persuasion. It's how we're built. Uh, whether or not it fits a, a political narrative is ir- is irrelevant. It is how we're built and how we're supposed to be. Um, David, I cannot thank you enough um, for sharing your time with us today. My brother, I'm happy to do so, and I wish you uh, great luck for in your uh, campaign. I, of course, will be voting for you, as you know, <laughs> and I support, I, I support you unreservedly. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, uh, folks, until next time, have a great day, and always be on the lookout for the elephant in the room.